Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. Cherish your wife. See her as precious. Hold her near and dear to you. That's what we're being told here. So you see, if we are doing these things, men, you know, this is where a woman thrives. When the wife is fulfilling her role and the man is fulfilling his role, it's a good thing. But here, the man has the taller order for sure. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Ephesians. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 22 through 23, in a message titled, Christ, the Church, Wives and Husbands. Now, here's Pastor Brian. Back to the husband giving of himself, giving attention to our wives. I mean, we need to be attentive. We need to, to listen. We need to be concerned. We need to hear the things that they're saying to us. Because sometimes they can say something, and we hear it audibly, but we don't really hear it. We're not paying close enough attention to know that there really is something here that needs to be understood. Peter says to the husband, he says, husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding, giving honor to them as the weaker vessel. So the husband has an obligation to understand the wife. You have to know what she's thinking. You have to know what she needs. You have to know why she feels the way she feels and how you can help. That, that's an obligation that we have. Husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding. So when your wife says to you, you know, I, I just feel like you're neglecting me. Don't say, no, I'm not. Say, oh, okay, it, like in what way am I neglecting you? Get some understanding. Listen to what they're telling you. That's what it means to dwell with them with understanding. So even though you might not think that you're being negligent, the fact of the matter, from her perspective, you might be. And if from her perspective you are, then you actually are being negligent because dwelling with her according to understanding. So, so this is where Paul starts. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, and then he adds that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So this giving of himself, this loving that Christ has for the church, it's all for the benefit of blessing and building up the church. So Paul says we're, we're to do likewise. Now, it's almost like Paul realizes, okay, wait, I'm, I'm writing to men here, so I need to probably expand on this a little bit. And maybe this, you know, loving as Christ of the church and gave himself and so forth, this might be a little too much for some guys to really grasp. So Paul's going to take it and he's going to make it even more uh, comprehensible. And he does it like this. He says, so husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. So we get that one. Oh, right, okay, yeah. I love myself. We love ourselves. And, and listen, Paul's not putting 
This is not a put down. This is just a reality. Self-love is a fact of human nature. We love ourselves. And as men, we love ourselves. We're thinking about ourselves. And so Paul says, okay, just as you love yourself and you're concerned primarily about yourself, take that and transfer it over to your wife. Love your wife as you love yourself. No one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it. So Paul is appealing to something that we can all identify with. Men, we have the same, we are to have the same concern, care, compassion, and love for our wives as we do for ourselves. So again, this isn't a put down, it's just a reality. I'm want to take care of myself. I want to make sure I'm, hung, I'm, I'm fed. I want to make sure I'm rested. I want to make sure I'm groomed. I want to make sure, you know, all, all of those things. It's just natural. This is human nature. So Paul is appealing to that element. Now, just, just like you would do this for yourself, now do this for your wife. So practically speaking, what does that look like? Well, first, let me point out things that we would never do if we are loving our wives as ourselves. We would never be abusive to our wives. Now, abuse, domestic violence, those kinds of things, those are big issues in our culture today, right? And at times, you even find that these things exist within the church among Christians. But there should never, under any circumstances, be physical abuse in the marital relationship. Any man who's physically abusing his wife needs to stop it immediately. And anyone who's claiming to be a Christian and physically abusing his wife needs to wake up and realize, you know, you're mistreating God's property. You're mistreating God's daughter. You don't want to do that because there is a a day of accountability that will come along where you're going to have to give an answer to God as to why you treated his daughter so poorly. That's a reality that we need to face. So any kind of physical abuse should not exist in the Christian home, in the relationship between the husband and the wife. But there's more than physical abuse. There can also be emotional abuse. You know, some guys will brag, well, I've never laid a hand on my wife, but they've mentally tortured them. They've emotionally tortured them. They do so through mind games, mental manipulation. I've seen cases where guys intentionally flirt with other women just to keep their wife in a place where they can control them, just knowing, hey, anytime I could leave you for somebody else, just keep them off balance so they can never really be secure. That's a mind game. That's an emotional, uh, that's a form of emotional abuse. It's a sin, If you're a married guy flirting with other women, you're in sin. So these kinds of things should never be done. Verbal abuse has no place in the relationship between the Christian husband and his wife. We're not to shout and scream and get in the face of your wife and call her names and things like that. People do this. And... It's contrary to how Jesus treats the church. And of course, it's contrary to the way you treat yourself. You you wouldn't do, do this to yourself. No sane person will abuse themselves. 
And you would never want to be treated this way yourself. But as a man, you're stronger. You're, you, have, you've, you, know, you have the upper hand and, and you do these things. These things should be unthinkable for the Christian man. Now, again, it's possible that we've been guilty of these things. And there's grace, there's forgiveness. But we, we can't keep, if, if this is any kind of a pattern, this is problematic. I mean, there's occasional outbursts. There's times where we've said things we shouldn't have said. There's times when we might have been playing little games or whatever. Maybe there's times when things have gotten really heated and maybe even a little bit physical. But we need to know these are wrong and they should never be taking place among us. One time, Cheryl and I were in a, a marathon argument. This is when we were very young and newly married. And we, at the end, we didn't even remember how the argument started. It went on for so long. It was like a five-hour marathon argument. And at a certain point, I called her a name, and I called her Dog Lips. I don't even know. I never... Where, I don't even know where that word came from, dog lips. But I, I said it, and she was looking straight at me, and all of a sudden, she started laughing. She's like, dog lips? Where did you ever come up with that? Dogs don't have lips. And then we went on to laugh, and then we finally reconciled, and by the end, we couldn't even remember how the fight started. But you know, I, I've never called her dog lips since then. <laughs> We're not to do those kinds of things. So, no abuse. Secondly, we should never intentionally neglect our wives. Now, I say intentionally, intentionally, because we can unintentionally neglect, right? I mean, we don't always know if we're being negligent. Sometimes we might know, but there's other times, like I said, there's times when Cheryl will say, I'm, well, you're neglecting me, and I respond, no, I'm not. But the fact of the matter is, she thinks I am, so I am. But I'm not intentionally doing it. It's just, I'm just doing it. I'm, I'm too busy. I'm preoccupied. I'm not thinking about her. I'm thinking more about myself and so forth. So we should never intentionally neglect our wives. Thirdly, we should be careful not to take our wives for granted. Now, again, I say be careful because we can easily do this stuff, right? We can just take them for granted. We're not necessarily meaning to do it, but we do. We just, oh, this is my wife. This is what she does. And I never tell her thank you. And I never show her any appreciation. I just take for granted she's always going to be here. She's always going to do this. And we shouldn't do that. We need to be thankful. We need to be appreciative. We need to uh, voice that to our wives. We need to let them know. I make it a point to always tell my wife how much I appreciate, um, you know, when she makes dinner, as she cleans the house, you know, those kinds of things. I just tell her, hey, what a great meal, or the, the house looks good, or whatever. I make it a point, and you know, she appreciates that. I don't want to take her for granted. We can easily do that. And so these are the things that we don't want to do, the things that we shouldn't do. They're things that we wouldn't do in regard to ourselves. 
But now what about the positive side of things? Well, Paul uses two words here. He says we are to nourish them and we are to cherish them as Christ does the church. So nourish, we are to nourish. The idea behind the word nourish is to build up, to bring to maturity. And so what he's telling us is men, we are to treat our wives in ways that will build them up, strengthen them, as well as help them attain their full potential in Christ. That's what I'm to do. I'm to be making an investment in my wife to the end that she will grow stronger and become the person that God intends for her to be. And God has an intention for your wife, men, that's distinct from you. She's not just to be your wife. She's not your slave. She's not there just to do the things that you think she should do. She has a certain amount of independence from you. She has a relationship with Christ. And in nourishing her, you are contributing to her growth and her development and her entering into all that God has for her. And how do we nourish them? We nourish them with kindness. Kindness is tremendously nourishing. We nourish them with practical assistance. We come alongside of them and we we assist them. We give them help. We nourish them with prayer. Husbands, do you pray for your wives? Praying for your wife is such an important thing. Pray for them. In doing so, this is part of that nourishing that he's talking about here. Pray for them, but then help them to practically assist them. Come alongside. Take off the, uh, the burden that they bear. And give them a break. Let them have opportunities to, to seek the Lord and to uh, you know, develop themselves and, and not to always be under the burden of having to make sure that everything's functioning. And you know, that's so often the wife is the one who's weighed down with all of those responsibilities. And I know for my wife, sometimes just the, the smallest little thing will be such a blessing to her. I always have this conviction. She makes, you know, she's a great cook. She makes great dinners and she goes to a lot of trouble. And when I sit down and eat a great meal that she's made, you know, I feel guilty if I don't do the dishes for her. I just feel like, you know, she made all the food. She labored. She went out and bought it. She labored to make it. She served it all up. And, you know, to me, it's just to think that, okay, now you go clean that up and I'm going to go play or do whatever. I, I just... To me, I, I just can't do that these days. I just feel this obligation. No, I, honey, you go, you did all of this work, you go do whatever, and um, I'll take care of it. And you know, that just blesses her. She is so blessed by that. She is so thankful. It's amazing how easy it is to please her, really. But the practical assistance, just doing those little things. And for me... This is an area where God has just had to whittle away at me over the years. Because it's those, those little things that are inconvenient. It's like, oh, I don't want to do that. You know, so she sends me to the market and she gives me a list and I go and I get the stuff and I come home and she's like, oh, you forgot this. No, I didn't forget it. You didn't put it on the list. Look, the list is right here. It's not in here. Oh, okay, well, I needed it. Oh, you don't really need it that bad, do you? Yes, I need it. Oh, come on, we can get by without it. No, we can't. Okay, 
This is Cheryl speaking. Okay, I'll go. That's fine. I'll go. You, you, just, you just sit here, play with your phone. It's fine. I'll go. <laughs> All right. I'll go. But next time, can't you just tell me the first time everything that we need? You know, little things like that. But here's what I'm saying. I'm confessing to you that this is an area where the Lord keeps whittling away at me. You know, why don't you just say, oh, honey, I'd love to go back to the store for you for the 10th time today. That is not a problem at all. Because I love you so much, I will gladly go to the store. That's what I should do. <laughs> I'm not quite there yet, but I'm working on it. It's only taken 34 years to get this far. <laughs> but you know, it's, sometimes it's, it's those little things. And like I said, when I do them, and if I do them without any complaint or without any resistance, then it's just, she's just amazed. Oh, you love me. She really knows I love her when I do those things. But the other word he uses here is cherish. Now, we know what it is to cherish something, right? Men, we know what it is to cherish things. You have a nice car, perhaps, that you cherish, you take care of that car. You make sure it's shined up. You deem it as something precious, something to hold near and dear. If somebody dared to scratch it, you would kill them if you could because you cherish that automobile or you cherish that bike or you cherish those golf clubs you won't even let your best friend use them. Or whatever it is, we know what it's like as men. It's amazing how men can get into things and cherish things, hold them near and dear to us. That's, we, we just, you know, we're like that, right? And you got something and man, you just love this thing and you're making sure you're taking care of it and oh, if anybody were to mess with it, or even, like I said, even, even suggest, hey, could I maybe borrow that? Oh, no, 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 we don't do that. Well, I don't loan this out to anybody. You cherish it, okay? Well, we do stuff like that. Do that with your wife. That's what we're talking about here. Cherish your wife. See her as precious. Hold her near and dear to you. That's what we're being told here. So you see, if we are doing these things, men... You know, this is where a woman thrives. Like we said last time, when the wife is doing her role or fulfilling her role and the man is fulfilling his role, it, it's a good thing. But here, the man has the taller order for sure. But the wife's call to submission is really connected back to this. When, when we're loving our wives as Christ loved the church, I know in my case, at least, my wife is... You know, she's so compliant. She's ready to do anything. It doesn't matter because she knows she's loved. She's secure. And this is how the Lord wants our wives to be. He wants them to be uh, treated like he treats the church. And that brings a blessing in your home. And that sends a message to your children and to your extended family. And it goes right out from there. And people look at that and they say, wow, that's amazing. So that's what marriage is to be like. You know, I don't say this uh, at all in a prideful way because 
like I've already told you a lot of the stupid things I've done, but there's a million more. I could have spent hours telling you uh, stupid things I've done over the years. Uh, and I'm, you know, <laughs> lady came up afterward, after last service and said, it's so good to know you're not perfect, but I never thought you were in the first place. <laughs> so well, I'm glad you didn't because I've never uh, wanted to give the impression that I was. Uh, but we, we have this happen occasionally, and it's, it's really a blessing because it's where you see that as, as imperfectly as we do this, it's still sending the, the kind of message that God wants to send. Because all the time we will have people say something to us if we're out maybe, that you know we go to places, people see us frequently, they come up, and we've had young people come up and say, you know, well, we just watched you guys and you know, if I ever get married, I want to have a marriage like this. Or somebody will send us a little note. Um, man, I, I really love what God's doing in your marriage. And my wife and I, you know, maybe a younger couple, we, we want to be like that. And that's the way it should be. That's the way God wants it to be. And like I said, we're, we do it very imperfectly. But just the fact that we're trying to do it at all, it, that in and of itself is, is enough to send a message out. So men, this is a tall order. And it, it really can't be done except through the power of Christ working in us. And that's what we all have to remember. We need that work of God's spirit. That's why Paul said back in verse 18, be being filled with the spirit continually. We need a continued filling with the spirit. We need to uh, be sensitive to the continued conviction of the spirit and we need to take these things to heart. We need to realize there's a day of accountability because my wife is God's property that he's loaned to me. But there's also a bigger picture here. Christ is wanting to show the world what it's like to be in a relationship with God. And he wants to use our marriages to do that. So may God help us. And if you've failed... We've all failed. And know this, there's grace, there's mercy, there's forgiveness. And the great thing is you can just get a fresh start. And sometimes that's what you've got to do. You know, I've been in counseling situations where there's conflict and argument and accusation and finger pointing and blame and all of that. And I, I've actually said to people, you know, we could, we could sit here and seemingly we could just do this forever. Or we could stop right now and ask God to help you both forgive one another. And then guess what? You can start with a clean slate. You can start fresh. That's the beauty of what we have in the gospel. That's the beauty of what we have through Christ. We can forgive each other and we can start over. I can be convicted and know that I've failed completely, but know that that's not the end necessarily, but know that there's redemption, that God can take things and he can turn them around. And if I've truly repented, I can come and just say, Lord, help me to do this right. And you might've had lots of years of what you see as a bad marriage. You might've, as a, as a husband, maybe it's been a lot of years that you haven't done anything like what we're talking about here today. But guess what? You can start today. By the grace of God, you can start today. You can receive his forgiveness, his grace, and his strength to be the husband that he wants you to be.
For the month of December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. The world is divided over issues like race, gender, sexuality, and health. But there are even greater divisions in the church, divisions over doctrines. But how as we as Christians move past doctrinal divisions in an effort to maintain unity, but without compromising the essential truths of Scripture? Well, in his book, Finding the Right Hills to Die On, Gavin Ortland provides a guide to help you prioritize doctrine according to four different ranks along a spectrum of doctrinal importance. This book will challenge you to consider the balance between faithfulness to God's Word and the need for Christian unity. If you want to be as effective as possible at advancing the gospel in our time, we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com to order Finding the Right Hills to Die On by Gavin Ortland. And when you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you this book as our way to say thank you. We do appreciate your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Ephesians. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.